special guest, reporter for MassLive.com, uh, Chris Cotillo. Jake Palmacki. Three special guests today, Steve Peral. Los Angeles Dodgers prospect, Jimmy Titus. For us, that was our guest today, Mason Field. Austin Upshaw. Jerry Weinstein. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. back to Behind Under Sports. I know it's been a while, but uh, guys, we're back, and we got a great interview for you today. Today on the program, we have Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. He does a podcast with Will Middlebrooks. He does social media, and he writes. Um, he's a great guy. It's a great interview. We talk about the Padres, White Sox, um, players expressing themselves in the game, and so much more. Uh, huge thanks to Danny for coming on. We really appreciate it, and I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. So thank you guys for watching, and... Um, Enjoy. We're joined with a very special guest, Danny Vietti. Danny, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, of course. Always down to talk a little bit of ball. Yeah. So uh, Danny's with CBS Baseball, and uh, right now he's doing a podcast with Will Middlebrooks, formerly of the Boston Red Sox, Padres, maybe Brewers for a little bit, you know, Phillies, oh, a bunch of teams for Will. But uh, we're here to talk to Danny today. Um, he kind of jumped on the Twitter scene, got a lot of followers pretty fast after a pretty crazy incident, if I'm Pretty sure that's why you got all your followers real quick. Padres incident, maybe? Uh, it's been the past, gosh, probably a year and a half. It's been in the works. Once I really right. started writing for the site. and I mean, there's definitely a good amount of Padres following on my Twitter. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, I followed your account before you did your little Padres stunt, which we'll get into. And, you know, great content for CBS and writing for everything. Um, so how did you get started with CBS? Yeah, that's a good question, Ben. So when I was going to college, I went to school in Northern California, just outside of Sacramento. I played baseball for William Jessup university, which is a small NEI college. And that allowed me, I transferred a few times before then, but I ended up at William Jessup that allowed me to also work part-time the, I don't know if you're familiar with max preps, mm-hmm. uh, they're the high school, yep. yeah, high school sports source. Uh, their headquarters are located just outside of Sacramento. And so I was able to play ball while also uh, doing part-time work for Max Preps uh, with social media. That led to the job with CBS because for those that don't know, CBS Sports owns Max Preps. So just kind of work my way up the ladder. Um, still, I'm dipping my toes into the social media scene and also the writing scene. And lately, it's been the podcast scene, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, a little bit of everything, like you're saying, social media writing, now podcasting. And when it's all said and done, do you want to be seen as more of a podcaster or a writer? Or would you like to stick to like the social media content side? Like what's in the future for you? Yeah, it's constantly changing. It's a good question because when I was first trying to create a career for myself, it was writing, writing, writing. But then, of course, I mean, it's kind of evident now writing is I don't want to say it's going downhill, but it's a little fewer and far between, especially when you're talking about newspapers. Um, just mm-hmm. publishing in general has been kind of a tough scene. So I just want to be in baseball in some capacity. I Ideally, what I would love to do is I really want to tell stories. And I think you can best tell those stories in written form. Sometimes you can do it in podcast form. Sometimes you can do it you know, in social media, other types. But I think you can really tell the best story through written form. And so Ideally, I would love to, you know, I love what The Athletic does. I, I Don't get me wrong, love my company, don't plan on going anywhere, but I really love what The Athletic does. They're able to tell stories, they're able to um, really find ways to 
expound and, and expand on certain situations and different um, situ- uh, different stories in a different fashion than maybe CBS Sports does, ESPN. Um, so I, I just want to tell stories. I want to be a source for players to share whatever they want to share. May that be in podcast form, uh, written form, whatever it may be. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Telling stories is so crucial to the game of baseball I think you know baseball stories turn into legends and that's how we really grow the game aside from just you know great players and teams on the field so it's a great goal to have and um speaking of story I alluded to it right before but um so a great story that everyone will remember from last season was Fernando Tatis hitting his 3-0 grand slam which then prompted you to tweet out, if the Padres hit another grand slam tonight, I will run around the state Capitol building in downtown Sacramento in a diaper while holding a Fernando Tatis Jr. sign, which ultimately ended up happening. So why don't you walk me through that? <laughs> yeah, you said great memory. I don't think it's a great memory, at least for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was very spontaneous. It wasn't anything I had planned. I just thought it was what, three straight days with a Grand Slam, there's absolutely no chance to yeah. hit four straight. It's right. never happened. Major League Baseball history has been playing, being played for over a century. It's never happened. So I was just sitting. I was actually visiting my parents. They live about five minutes away from the Capitol building in California. And so I was just sitting at home, and I'm like, you know what? Why not? Let's have some fun on social media, like always. People really started to pick it up, um, especially because, I, like you mentioned already, I have kind of a Padres following on social media. And so people started to, you know, do the whole at freezing cold takes. Uh, they started, you know, they started stirring the pot a little bit. Sure enough, Eric Hosmer. I, the, the amazing part about it all is I don't think the hitting the four straight grand slams, don't get me wrong, that's incredible. But there are a lot of teams that don't even have four straight games with bases loaded situations. That's yeah. what's so incredible about I mean, if you were to look at like Las Vegas odds or whatever the odds, I mean, the odds of just having the, the possibility of that happening would be very slim. And the fact that they hit a grand slam in four straight games was incredible. So sure enough, Hosmer hit the, the slam, uh, went to the store, got my diaper, did my <laughs> diaper run and had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And then unfortunately, Hosmer didn't even notice it, which is crazy because he's kind of a online social media social media presence guy so (laughs) no but um you know i think we'll be uh looking for the twitter pictures and all that so hopefully whoever it is sticks to their word yeah they they asked him after the game he said he didn't know but uh yeah i'm I'm gonna have to hit him up one of these days and kind of explain the situation because now i'm just known as the creepy diaper guy around the (laughs) area so no i think i think most people saw it as dedication and just you know your love for the Padres and for not Fernando Tatis Jr., the rising superstar. <laughs> Hopefully, as long as I'm not known as creepy San Diego guy and I'm known more as like you just said, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean that that's how I saw it. As a huge Fernando Tatis Jr. stand myself, I uh, I'm proudly um, someone who noticed him before the 2020 season. So real proud of that. I'm just um, glad to add a little bit more exposure to the situation. I mean, everybody, of course, was on Chris Woodward's you know, right yeah. on his back after the 3-0 yeah. situation. And it just kind of escalated it all. And I think it brought a little bit of fun to a situation that the whole reason we were in that predicament is because Chris Woodward was essentially downing on the fun. And so I think yeah. bringing a little bit more fun to the situation um, kind of encompassed what the whole situation was really supposed to be in the first place. 
Yeah, I mean, and that whole situation has just turned into a whole movement now. I mean, Tatis is in the Adidas and Gatorade commercials, like literally just talking about breaking rules with the unwritten rules and everything. It's just nuts to, to think of that. That situation came out of a 2020 baseball season and it um, then sparked, you know, the four straight Grand Slams and everything. Just the whole Padres success, really, you kind of think leads from that moment. They're the center of the baseball universe right now. And I mentioned this, I went on a San Diego radio station a couple weeks ago, and I said this before, I think San Diego Padres are really saving baseball. And I don't mean to say that because I don't think base, a lot of people tend to exaggerate and say baseball is ending this. Uh, there's no more fans. Nobody likes the game anymore. I, I don't think that's the case. No, but it's a I billion would, dollar game. Exactly. There's plenty of money in it. There's, my gosh, how many under 25-year-old stars do we have in today's game? We have more now. Acuna, Tatis, uh, Bieber, I mean, all kinds Soto. of stars. Soto, I mean, the list goes on. We've yeah. never had so many young stars in this game. So people tend to exaggerate and say baseball's ending. Um, I don't believe that. But at the same time, I think I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say it's growing, at least not at the pace that Major League Baseball or its fans would want it to be. So if we want to continue to expand you know, build on the game and, and and try and celebrate the game that is being played today. These are the kind of things we need to do and celebrating players for celebrating bat flipping. So, uh, you know, celebrating after a strikeout, whatever it may be. I think it starts there. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, and I do, you know, the saving baseball thing, you kind of think like everyone says the steroid era and like Mark McGuire, the home run chase that saved baseball. And obviously I mean, maybe there's steroids and stuff going on, but not not steroid era. But now this is like the new era where, you know, it's flashy that's saving baseball. So you have teams like the White Sox, the Padres, maybe the Mets are going to start being like that. But, you know, you see guys going out there celebrating, pimping home runs, celebrating strikeouts. Like um, we got Jose Abreu wearing like three chains and it gets people fired up. And, and that stuff does have to save baseball because you see or not save, you know, like we get it when we say that, but um, cause you see the games like the NBA or like Juju Smith, you know, making TikToks before the game that gets the fans fired up and baseball just really didn't have any of that until the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a great point. So in major league baseball has really struggled with this and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say names, but I've spoken to different players around the league and they have said before joining the team, uh, not just the major league team, but maybe even in their farm systems, the team that they played for has strongly suggested they take control of their social media accounts. And that to me is one taking away their voice and it's hurting the game of baseball because we want to see what these players do behind the scenes. We want to see them as people. They're not just players. We want to see them as people. And so there were at times that maybe a player would want to tweet something out. Maybe it'd be, of their family or, or whether they're training and maybe the organization decided that's probably not best for your image. That's not good for the game. It's mm-hmm. we talked about growing the game. It's not a good process in the way that you want to grow the game. We want guys to celebrate. We want guys to be themselves and to get more exposure to who they are off the field. That's huge. And you mentioned the NFL, NBA, even the NHL, they score a goal in the NHL. They're, you know, tackling each other. They're doing all kinds of celebrations. I think it was the Miami Hurricanes last year uh, made big news because they were doing crazy stuff after their goals. Right. Um, that's good. I mean, I, I wasn't going to watch an NHL game until I heard the Miami Hurricanes <laughs> doing all these kind of wacky things after a goal. That's good. Um, yet we still condemn players for celebrating after a big hit. 
it's not good. We need to get better as fans, as a game. Um, clubs need to get better and need to celebrate their players a little bit more. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, I think we are seeing the game is going in that direction. And you alluded to the social media and having players uh, not have control. I think players are starting to take control, even if they're not really supposed to. And it's something that's awesome. Uh, this has been an, an enormously disappointing offseason so far. It's starting to pick up literally like today and yesterday. It's starting to pick up. But before that, it's so slow. Nothing's happening. And then, you know, the Mets go out and get Francisco Lindor. And then obviously that in itself is exciting. But then you see Stroman, Syndergaard, Trevor May all tweeting about it. And even fan, uh, excuse me, players on other teams are tweeting about it. It's so surprising. And that stuff is awesome to see. I know a lot of people aren't on Twitter, especially in the, you know, older baseball fans aren't really on Twitter, but for the younger generation to see that and see the the players actually get fired up that they got this new, maybe even face the franchise, if you want to call them that, it, it was awesome to see that. And Stroman, obviously, is someone that's super vocal already. But, you know, now that they're on the Mets, Trevor May gets a bigger voice, hopefully. And it's just really cool to see guys do that. It was. And we talked with Stroman. We had Stroman on the show mm -hmm. two weeks ago, I think it was. And he basically said, once you establish yourself in the league, you can do whatever you want. But until you do that, your club is going to have some control over some things that you do. And, and one of those cases could be social media. Um, you, it's, it's not as if you need to be an all-star in order to be yourself, but once Stroman, he, he said this in the interview too, he said, once he started having the freedom to do what he wanted to do and being himself, not only on the diamond, but off the diamond too, that's where he flourished. And he mentioned this. He said, that's when I became, because I can speak to this too. When I played in college, I tried being the pitcher that my pitching coach tried to be then right. I transferred schools and went to where I ended up which was William Jessup my coach said I want you to be the best version of whatever you are you know your strengths I don't know your strengths I haven't been over your shoulder for the 20 years you've been alive you know what you do best I want to try and build on your strengths and that's what I think is really what it's all about because once Stroman is able to be in, be himself and voice his opinions he's not hurting his team by posting videos of him training on Instagram. Um, he's not hurting his team by being a little bit more outspoken. You can make the case that Trevor Bauer puts a little bit more attention on his team, which could be seen in a bad way. Um, but even then, I don't think Trevor Bauer is hurting a team by mm -hmm. doing these momentum clips and, and showing his different pitch grips. If anything, I think it's really good for the game. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And, uh, you mentioned Trevor Bauer. This has been floating through my mind for a while. Maybe a hot take, not exactly sure. When it's all said and done, I don't think the Trevor Bauer signing is going to be the biggest news of the offseason. I think the Padres trading for you, Darvish, and uh, Blake Snell is way bigger. I think the Mets trading for Francisco Lindor is way bigger. Even if Bauer does go to the Mets or the Padres, I still think those trades are, when you actually take a look back, those are way more meaningful and I think they will get more attention than Bauer. Um, mm -hmm. I think Bauer will obviously give himself more attention because that's just who he is. And, you know, I love to see it. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be the biggest move of the offseason. No, I don't think that's a hot take. If you just think about who makes a bigger impact on a day-to-day -day basis. Francisco Lindor, he's an everyday player. He's a shortstop. Right. It's in the middle of the order. If you put Trevor Bauer on the Mets, that's not even the biggest move for the Mets. It, mm -hmm. Francisco Lindor is the biggest move of the offseason. And my, one of my colleagues, RJ Anderson, he just wrote an article and 
pointed out a couple more stars that could be on the move before opening day. Arenado is on that list. If Nolan Arenado, the Dodgers have shown interest in Nolan Arenado. If he somehow moves to Los Angeles and they figure out a way to get him to Chavez Ravine, that would be a bigger move than Bauer too. Bauer has just found a way to build his brand and he has created this added intensity and added emphasis on the decision, um, right. which is great for his brand. And in my opinion, great for baseball too, because like you mentioned, off season has been dry. Off season yeah. has been long. It's required a whole lot of patience, but he's given people a reason to talk about baseball when they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Bauer, what Bauer's doing is great for the game. I mean, he had an amazing 2020 season, but it was also only 60 games, and obviously he didn't play in all 60. So really, is he even at the level that people think? Like, people, he put himself at that level by having all the hype around momentum and everything. Like, obviously he was insanely dominant, and he still could be, but no one really knows based on his sample size. It was really just the last, you know, the season when he got traded to the Reds was terrible. Mm-hmm. So... So he's a very similar case to, I mentioned Stroman about how he's able to be himself and have a little bit more freedom to do what he wants to do. Bauer is a very similar case, except they're, they're very different people. Mm -hmm. Um, We had Trevor's agent, Rachel Luba on the show. She said, Trevor had a little bit of a difficult childhood at times. He was not the most popular kid in school. Sometimes he even got bullied. And so when he got to the big leagues, he was actually a little, outspoken on social media in a bad way. There were times he would kind of attack some of the trolls out there on social media. And Rachel had to explain to him basically why that would be bad for his brand, why that's probably not the best decision. And so Trevor learned quickly, you know, the feel of social media and Trevor learned quickly how to build his brand in in the best way possible. And so similar yet different than Marcus Stroman, Trevor found a way to be himself Towards the the latter part of his tenure with Cleveland, he basically told Cleveland, look, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Um, if you like it, awesome. If you don't like it, trade me. And essentially, that's en- that en- ended up happening. He right. didn't ask for a trade. I'm not saying he asked for a trade. But once yeah. Trevor became comfortable with his own body and comfortable with his own decision-making, that's when he started to flourish. And so we're seeing this small sample size of success over the past you know, year, and he had an all-star season, I think it was three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's small because he wasn't able to be himself yet. But now we're seeing him be the Trevor Bauer that we all know and love. And I think that's why he's flourishing is because he can be Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, to put it. And I completely agree. I mean, once these guys are able to be themselves on the field and not worry about being put down by – the veterans that are way old school or the old school media or anything. And they just can literally just worry about being themselves or excuse me, don't have to worry about being themselves and they can just worry about the product on the field. It, you, it shows that it just gets that much better. I mean, we, we saw it with Stroman um, in the world baseball classic. He was out there, he was flashy, he was himself and he was the most dominant pitcher on that team. Cause they don't have to worry about what their club's going to do to them after the game. They don't have to, that's what I love the world baseball classic for a multitude of reasons. But one of the reasons is what you just mentioned. They're individuals out there just having fun. They're playing Mm -hmm. for something. They're playing for a title, but they don't have to worry. If they strike out five times in a game, does it really matter? Not really. If they strike out in a game in October in the postseason, and you're playing for the Yankees, you have every reporter come to your locker room and you have articles written about you. You're 
you're hiding when you go to get a sandwich down at the market. I mean, it's right. a lot more pressure. And so one of the reasons I love the World Baseball Classic is they can just be themselves. And I think we really see what we've seen certain players find their true potential on that stage, which is a little bit odd because it is a big stage. But guys like Drew Smiley um, really had a lot of success. Um, there were a couple of relief pitchers um, in there that had a lot of success too, that maybe didn't have as much success at the major league baseball level, but they did at the world baseball classic level just because they were able to be themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool when I uh, see guys just realize that they can be themselves and just go off. It's pretty awesome. Um, and we already talked about teams that are, you know, the fun teams, the Padres and the white Sox that are being themselves and being flashy and just growing the game in the way we want it to be grown. And you have them as your 2021 World Series matchup, don't you? Sure do. Yep. Uh, So you still think that is, you know, definite? Yeah. Yeah, they've given me no reason to believe otherwise. I mean, if we're being completely real here, of course, the Dodgers are still the team to beat in the National League. Until anybody takes down the Dodgers, they are still the team to beat. I will say this. The Dodgers were able to retain Trinan. They've been able to shore up their bullpen a little bit so far i still have question marks with their bullpen and, and particularly kenley jansen kenley jansen yeah if you want a deep piece of piece of rose <laughs> postseason run um you need a good closer and maybe a guy like josh Hader is available if the dodgers were able, were able to get a guy like josh Hader, that puts them head and shoulders above anybody in my mind until they do that i think there is a little bit of a question mark because they had to put Julio Urias back in their bullpen to give him a chance last year in the postseason. Right. They want Julio Urias to be a starter. They can't have him do both. Um, you're going to have to pick and choose what he needs to do. Dustin May, they tried him out of the bullpen last year in the postseason. A little rocky. They want him to be a starter too. There's voids that need to be filled in that bullpen. And until they sure up that bullpen, I'm not going to say that the Padres are a better team right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres take that crown. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised either. I, you know, the only reason I asked just, you know, the Mets are making moves. They might make more. Um, The Dodgers still, like we said, maybe they trade for Arenado. There's still a lot of free agents that they have to either resign or add to the team. Plus people forget that David Price is on the team and does plan on pitching this year. Uh, But in the AL, I mean, come on, the White Sox, I really don't see anyone better than them. No, only because it, it's so hard. It, it's so premature to say anything right now. And I say that because on on paper, what if Bauer goes to Chicago? What if Bauer goes to New York? It, it completely changes the landscape. And it's just not just Bauer. It's real Muto. Uh, DJ obviously just resigned with the Yankees. So that's huge for them. Um, there's still really, really good play. Marcelo Zuna, really, Springer. really great, impactful players that we have no idea who they're playing for in 2020. It can completely change our opinion. So I mentioned the Padres, how they have a chance to take down the Dodgers. You mentioned if the Dodgers get Orinato, if the Dodgers find a way to trade for Josh Hader, I might change my opinion. It's so early. Um, But right now, the White Sox, you got to love what they're doing because everybody in the American League, for the most part, has lost players. The Yankees lost Masahiro Tanaka. The Rays lost Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. Um, you're seeing a lot of American League teams lose really good players. And the White Sox have been able to add Lance Lynn, um, Adam Eaton, 
they're making big time moves. So you got to love what Hendricks. Liam Hendricks, thank you. Yes, yeah. so a lot of really good players, a lot of good acquisitions coming to the and South. Side. Honestly, they, they might not be done either. Um, there's a lot of, you know, not I don't want to say lower end guys on the free agent list, but like Tommy Lestella is still out there. Kike Hernandez, guys that weren't always everyday players, but given the role, maybe they can do something. Tommy Lestella showed he could, but there's a ton of guys like that, like Jonathan Scope. For some reason, there's a lot of second basemen like that. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I mean, the role so like, many. That's, that's where the Dodgers had so much success is Kike Hernandez, right? Um, Jock Peterson. They had so Chris much Taylor. Depth. Chris Taylor. So much depth. That's what you yeah. need in the postseason, right? So, um, before I let you go, let me just ask. Obviously, you're excited about the Padres and the White Sox. What's another team that, not necessarily, I mean, it could be this upcoming year, but in the next, like, three years, what's a team you're really excited to start watching as things start to take shape now? Yeah, it's got to be Toronto, right, with their young studs, with Biggio, Vladdy, Bichette, and then um, Pearson, too, who's going to be an absolute stud of a yeah. pitcher. Once he is healthy, I mean, he averages almost triple digits with his fastball as a starter got nasty wipeout slider to go along with it they're going to be a force to be reckoned with and they have Gurriel of course in the outfield Teoscar mm-hmm. Hernandez had a really good season last year um, Randall Gritchick is a really good veteran outfielder that you just want on your squad um, you know what you're going to get out of him will he be on the team long term I don't know but he's he's a really good piece for that team they exceeded expectations last year by squeezing into the playoffs they got swept by Tampa but they're ahead of schedule. And so if they're able yeah. to acquire a little bit more talent, of course they got the engine Ryu as their ace, a little bit more talent on the pitching rotation. Maybe they're able to get George Springer. They've been floated in talks there too. Yeah. Rio Mieto has been with them too, I think. Yeah. Their future is looking so, good. Yeah. I, I like that answer. Cause you know, let's just say they do sign Springer or real Muto Springer would just go right in the lineup right then. They sign real Muto. Maybe then, they trade Danny Jansen, get some more prospects for the future. Who knows? They're definitely a team. You know, they were talking about Lindor. They've, they've pretty much every big name they've been linked to. Mm-hmm. And they're really not playing around. Like, I don't remember who just signed. I, was It, it might have been Hendricks they were linked to. They had, like, a offer that wasn't too far behind. No, it was it was DJ LeMay who I just signed today. That's where I saw it. it they, he, they offered him, like, $78 million. So, they're not playing around. They're they're here to stay, and it's going to be fun to watch. So yeah, and they've been in discussions with Bauer that we've seen too. Bauer mentioned that on his YouTube video. So yeah, he's always they're in the it. Blue Jays They'll head. land someone. It's just a matter of time. Right. I completely agree. Well, um, thanks so much for doing this. It's been a ton of fun to talk baseball with you. Hey, always always a good time, man. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. It was a joy. Again, huge thanks to Danny for coming on. Uh, it was a great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, make sure to go check out Fantasy Baseball today, Danny's podcast with Will Middlebrooks. It is an absolute joy to listen to. And before I let you go, some big news. We have launched a website for Behind Their Sports, so make sure to check that out in the link in the description. On the website, we'll be featuring blogs and other um, information, you know, following guys as they progress through the big leagues and so much more. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you all enjoyed. This has been Behind Their Sports.
in my arms 